Um, Well, welcome home, everyone. I'd like to open today with a passage from Ephesians 5. Just a heads up, it is a long text today that I'm going to read for you. Um, This is 20 verses long. Um, But when I read it to you, I just want you to sit and, and, and just receive from the Lord today. Okay? So the scripture says that the word of God never returns void. And so today I want to read this over you. And then we're going to be engaging with it more throughout the service. But um, I just want to read this over you now. It says this, starting in verse 1 of Ephesians 5. It says, Imitate God, therefore, in everything you do, because you are his dear children. Live a life filled with love following the example of Christ. He loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. Paul is like, this is what you should do. Imitate God. But then he goes on to say what not to do. He says, starting in verse 3, he says, Let there be no sexual immorality, impurity, or greed among you. Such sins have no place among God's people. Obscene stories, foolish talk, and coarse jokes, these are not for you. Instead, let there be thankfulness to God. You can be sure that no immoral, impure, or greedy person will inherit the kingdom of Christ and of God. For a greedy person is an idolater worshiping the things of this world. Verse 6. So don't, don't be fooled by those who try to excuse these sins. For the anger of God will fall on those who disobey him. Don't participate in the things these people do. Why? Verse 8. For once you were full of darkness, but now you have light from the Lord. Paul is saying now things have changed. Things have changed and everything has changed. So live as people of light. For this light within you produces only what is good and right and true. Carefully determine what pleases the Lord. Take no part in the worthless deeds of evil and darkness. Instead, expose them. It is shameful even to talk about the things that ungodly people do in secret. But their evil intentions will be exposed when the light shines on them. For the light makes everything visible. Almost the end here. This is why it said, Awake, O sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. So, verse 15, be careful how you live. Be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but live like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Don't be drunk with wine, because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves and making music to the Lord in your hearts. And give thanks for, God, for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is the word of the Lord. Amen? Amen. It's lots of Bible. hope that you can uh, receive, remember, repeat. So, welcome home again. So happy to see you. If you don't know me, my name is David. A special welcome to the balcony crew today. Delba says, I see you. I see like the woo-woo up at the balcony, and I see y'all up there. This is so great. I see the big wave one of these days. I might just preach from up there, and we'll just see what happens. Make sure, make everyone else watch from a distance. You know what I'm saying? You feel it. You feel it good. Especially uh, welcome everyone that's joining us online. Grateful for you, um, whether you're joining us now or later. Um, we're just so glad that, um, that you decided to join us. So um, if you don't know me, my name is David, one of the pastors. Thrilled to be sharing from the scriptures today as we continue on in this series. And um, today I, I want to talk about like something we just heard in Ephesians chapter 5. Today I want to talk about how to make the most of every opportunity in this coming year. And if you're taking notes, I want to call this message, Every Moment Matters. Every Moment 
matters. And I want to talk about making the most of our time because time has this unique way of just disappearing. Time has a way of passing and blending together with frightening pace and regularity, whether we see it or not. I think the phrase I grew up hearing was like sand in an hourglass. These are the days of our lives, right? I never watched that. I never watched that. But it's true. It's true. King David... um, King David speaks to this reality of the brevity of life in Psalm 39 when he says this. It's on the screen. It says, Lord, remind me how brief my time on earth will be. Remind me that these days are numbered, how fleeting my life is. You have made my life no longer than the width of my hand. My entire lifetime is just a moment to you. At best, each of us is but a breath. Friends, time spares no one. At best, each of us is but a breath. And over the past few weeks with, I think it's kid birthdays, right? So over the past couple weeks with the kid birthdays, I've noticed this more than ever as I've been looking back on old photographs. Anyone ever look back on old pictures? Yes? It's amazing what we can do on our phones today, right? Photos are such a gift from God because they help us remember moments that mattered most as we kind of travel through time that's disappearing. But anyway, as I've been looking back um, on these old photos at the kids' birthdays over the years, I was just amazed at how fast time goes. I was amazed at how fast the years have passed. And, and even though time is constant, right? God made it this way. They're, sick, they're seconds and minutes and hours and days and years. And those, those things are constant. They do not fluctuate. As I've gotten older, things somehow seem to be speeding up, right? Like this year, I was looking back at, at photos of Ford and when he was born. I got, I got a picture here of when Ford was born. The day he was born, right? The day we took him home. He, he saw this picture yesterday. Oh, gosh, I'm going to get emotional. But he saw this picture and he was like, I was a cute baby. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> I was like, you were a cute baby. And then I said, I said, Ford, I want you to know, I still look at you like this. So I'm sitting there looking at these pictures, and I'm thinking, wow, the timestamp says nine years ago. That doesn't make sense. Like, how was that, how was that nine years ago? And I know he just turned nine, and so it all makes sense, right? But I was like, nine years ago, that doesn't make any, any sense. I even have a little video of him pushing up. Like, as soon, look at this cute video and play this audio for me. Can you get me a little audio? Yeah? Oh, push up. Oh, good job. <laughs> oh. Keep working it. Nine years, right? I'm like, how was that nine? Yeah, I don't miss that part. But the time just went. And then yesterday, my daughter turned seven. And we had a party here, and there was like a dance party. So if you any, see any glitter in the sanctuary anywhere, you know where it came from. But uh, I started looking at pictures of River, and I got some of those too. You want to throw those up there real quick? Right? I know you're just like, I'm, in, I'm, in, I'm just make big time endearment right now, okay? But I was sitting there looking at timestamps. Seven years, and like seven years have passed. Then I saw another picture of when we first moved here. Um, this was four years ago, and I'm thinking, there's no way we moved here four years ago. Get that up there. Yeah, look at us. Look at us, just babies, right? 
This is, I mean, there, a lot happened in four years, but I was sitting there looking at it going, wait a second, how in the world were we celebrating this birthday? Play, play that video, and Gavin, get the audio up for this one, too. Look at this. Ford, what is this? A cake. For what? Why is it a cake? Because it's for us. Why is it for yeah. you? Happy birthday to All right, all right, all right, all right, good that. Otherwise, I'm going to cry. But here's the deal. I look back on these moments, right? I go, how is that four years? We just got here. Where did the time go? Have you ever asked yourself, where did the time go? The other question I've been asking myself is, what do I have to show for it? What do I have to show for it? And this is something that's been on my mind more than ever. And not in like a self-deprecating or like all is lost, I'm getting old kind of way, even though I've got a lot more gray than I did when I got here. It was more like, man, I have lived a lot of days. I've lived a lot of days without even thinking about the day I was living. From sunup to sundown, I've existed without intention, without focus, for what that day means and what it could become. Does that make sense? Right? Like, like, we only have so many days, right? And every day we live is one less day we have. Back to Psalm 39. Our days are numbered. This means we're not getting any more of those things, those days. And yet we so often, maybe I'm preaching to myself, we so often fill our days with all sorts of unintentional nonsense, an unnecessary effort that never really produces the kind of life we actually want to live. I think we live on accident a whole lot. Letting impulse and emotion control us, kind of like autopilot switch engaged, right? And this autopilot carries us from one distraction to the next on the path of least resistance. And we expect, or maybe we hope, that this path of minutes and hours and days and weeks and years, we hope this path will carry us to our better ending. We hope, and, and we hope that, that we'll get to the best, but what we all eventually discover is the in the end, the path without purpose, the path without intention rarely brings you where you want to be. Amen. Which is why, again, I want to focus our attention uh, here this morning because the clock is ticking, y'all. And it can be so easy to waste time. To live and let live with little to show for it. It can be so easy to miss days and weeks and years of opportunities to the tyranny of the urgent and daily grind, to scrolling and searching and chasing down all sorts of things we think will satisfy or simplify our lives when in the end all they do is steal time. And we know it because we've all experienced, we've all experienced the where did the time go? In fact, um, a recent study found that the average American wastes almost two hours a day on mundane, time-draining activities. Two hours a day. Now, you might be thinking, big deal, pastor. I do all sorts of stuff. Two hours a day isn't a big deal. But let me just say, that's 624 hours a year. Friends, picture that. On average, doing the math, we spend 26 days a year Doing dumb stuff we'll never remember. We spend 26 days a year doing things we never intended to do in the first place. They just happened. 26 days a year we'll never get back. This is our current state of things, both inside these walls and out. 
so much wasted time. But I want you to know that I, I don't actually believe any of this is random. And while, yes, like we are responsible for our days, we are responsible for our schedules and our calendars, I do actually believe in this world, this supernatural world, that there are also more nefarious works at play working to steal our life. What do I mean? So I believe that the enemy, Satan, the devil, is working overtime to distract us, to distract us into wasting time. To distract humanity by lulling us to sleep with busyness and boredom and guilt and entertainment and apathy and even emergencies. Why? For the sole purpose of us forfeiting our purpose. The enemy wants us to waste our lives. To give up and settle for good enough so we'll never fully realize and bring to light the great things that God wants to do in us. Is that making sense? Let me say it another way. God wants to do amazing things in your life. God wants to do amazing, he wants to change the world with your days and bring heaven to earth through your story. He does. This is why we're still here and not immediately like teleported or evacuated off the earth after we get saved. He wants to do amazing things with your life because we're not just saved for heaven later, we're saved for glory today to show the world what God is like today in everything we do. And y'all, the enemy hates this. He doesn't want anyone to know God or experience his love. And he's working overtime to prevent God's goodness from spreading through your life. And what is his primary tool for stopping us? Is it earthquakes? Is it pestilence? Is it atomic bombs or financial crisis? No, it's just distraction. He doesn't have to work hard. All he has to do is keep us busy enough doing things that don't matter. 26 days a year worth, okay? So what can we do to take control of our time? To slow down and focus and live like every moment matters. Because friends, let me just quickly remind you, and this is kind of the big idea that I want you to walk away with today, is that if you're a Christian, then every moment does matter. If you're a Christian, every moment does matter. God tells us to make the most of every opportunity in his name, for his glory, in these evil days. So, so this means every moment that passes, friends, contains divine potential and possibility. Every single moment. Nothing is wasted with God. Can I get an amen? Every moment matters with God. It does. Why? Because our God, the same God who loves us and calls us and empowered us and leads us and wants us to build a better year with him, this God controls the clock. Where we might live in this linear system, right, of minutes and seconds and days and whatever, the, whatever that is, the, the linear system of time, our God exists outside of time. Jesus controls reality. We see this in Colossians chapter 1, where he says that he existed before anything was created. He exists outside of time. And he is supreme over all creation, for through him God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. I love this. We, he made the things we can see and the things we can't see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. I love this. He existed before. Our God existed before 
anything else, and he holds all creation together. What does this mean? It means that he has the ability, our God, to make every second count. And he has the ability to make every moment matter. God has the ability to make the impossible possible, to bring beauty from ashes and, and, and orchestrate glory from tragedy. This is what our God can do. There's nothing beyond our God. Amen? There's nothing too big for our God. Amen? He can choose to occupy. Our God can choose to occupy any given moment of any given day to bring about any given outcome. It doesn't matter how crazy or impossible or scary or disappointing the moment starts. If God comes in power, you better believe he's bringing a better ending with him. And this is the reality of our God. Ephesians chapter 3 says that he is able to do abundantly more than all we could ask or imagine. Abundantly more, friends, in any given moment. And what's so beautiful about this promise, and what I need you to understand, is the second half of that, that verse from Ephesians 3 says that the abundantly more he can do, he will do it according to his power at work within us. So, so the abundantly more that God can do, that we believe he can do, because he is God, he chooses to do abundantly more according to his power that lives in you. God is able to make every moment matter, but he wants to do it with you. He wants you to be the conduit for his power. Why? So you might make the most of every opportunity to show the world what he is really like. And this is real life. This is real faith. But you know what else is real? 26 days we waste. 26 days that we waste on things that don't matter. So back to the top, what can we do to bring this number down to zero? You feeling good? Yeah? Nothing's too heavy yet? You got some good news coming up? All right. If you want to make the most of your year, and I know you do, that's why you're here, and you want to begin to live like every moment matters, a couple things I want to encourage you to do. And now, this is your life. This is your life, and I cannot force you to make it great. This is your life. It's up to you as you consider the days that you have left. It's up to you to make the most of them. That's up to you. But, but if you do want to, if you want to make the most of your year, here's the progression. I see it in three steps here. It's imitation, it's invitation, and it's expectation. I'm going to break these down for you, but one more time. It's imitation, invitation, and expectation. Let's start with imitation. If there's one singular action that all of us can take to live more fully and completely in the coming year, it's to simply live like Jesus. To live like Jesus in all things at all times. Our opening scripture, Ephesians 5, said it like this, Imitate God, therefore, in everything you do, because you are his dear children. Live a life filled with love following the example of Christ. He loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. This is the ticket right here. This is the start. If you want to stop losing minutes, if you want to stop losing hours and days of your life to nonsense, not even just bad stuff, just like useless, thoughtless stuff, then you need to embrace a life of imitation. Imitation. Imitate God and his way. Imitate God and his 
value system. Imitate God and his culture, his actions, his love and his priorities, his time management, his behaviors, his attitudes. Imitate God in everything you do. Easy enough, right? (laughs) But it's true. God will never lead you to waste your life. He'll never lead you into a life of average, settling for scraps. No, God wants your life to be premium. Abundantly more. He wants your life to be filled with peace and beauty. And it might not always look like from the outside looking in, right? Like the world might not look at what's best according to the Lord and say it's best, but we don't belong to the world, do we? Now, so we can see value in his way. We can see value in the places that he's leading. We just need to follow his example. We need to find, not fall into the trap of the enemy. Which is why Paul continues in verse 3 of Ephesians 5 by saying plainly what we must avoid to imitate God. So I- imitating God is, is one thing, but these are the things that don't fit within the imitation of God. He says in verse 3, I'm going to just jump around a little bit for time. Let there be no sexual immorality impurity or greed among you. Such sins have no place among God's people. Obscene stories, foolish talk, and coarse jokes, these are not for you. I know that like the first half of that, you're like, I got this. Sexual, I'm good with that. Impurity, okay, got it. Greed, I'm not stealing from anyone. Oh, but then he brings in, he starts to bring in foolish talk. And everyone starts to feel the pinch. Coarse jokes. Friends, these, this is not for you. Verse 6, don't be fooled by those trying to excuse these sins, for the anger of God will fall on all who display him, disobey him. I love that. Don't participate in the things these people do. Why? Because you used to be in the dark, but now you are filled with light. You once, the wasting of our time used to make sense in the dark as we were walking in circles, but now our eyes have been opened to what could be to make the most of our days. So live as people of light. Verse 10, carefully determine what pleases the Lord. Take no part in worthless deeds. I love that. The things that don't matter, the nonsense that just occupies our brain. Take no part in the worthless deeds. Be careful how you live. Verse 15, don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly. But understand what the Lord wants you to do. So bring it back. Paul's like, don't be dumb with your time. Don't live like fools. Don't live thoughtless and, and, and foolish lives. Don't, don't fill your time with immorality. Don't fill your time with impurity and greed. There's, no, there's just no place for that in the Christian life. Don't participate in the things these people do. Yeah, once you were in the dark, but now you're in the light, so live as people of light and make the most of every opportunity. How can we do it? Verse 17, you must understand what the Lord wants you to do. Follow his example if you want to get the most out of your life. And I need you to know, he will make every second count for you. God can make every moment matter if you let him. But it all starts with imitation. Verse 5. Imitate God, therefore, in everything you do, because you are his dear children. Imitate God. Sound good? 
Okay, second piece, here we go, of this progression toward making the most of every opportunity is what we talked about earlier. It's inviting God into your moments. Inviting God into your moments. God has agency to do whatever he wants. God has the ability to just jump in wherever and whenever he wants to make things matter. But as one of my favorite Christian thinkers, his name is John Tyson, he says, he says, God comes where he's wanted. God comes where he's wanted. He moves when he is invited. And I want you to know there is no greater invitation we can make to God than what flows from our prayer and our worship. Psalm 22, as I mentioned earlier, says that God inhabits the praises of his people. God is present in our praise. And so if you want God to show up and make much of your life, to make every moment count, then invite him into your day. Invite him into your every day through prayer and through worship. And this is key because something profound starts to happen when, when we invite him into moments, both good and bad. When we invite him into moments that seem incredible but also impossible and we still choose to praise him anyway. God, God moves in a unique way when we praise. Like one of my favorite stories in the New Testament is when Paul and this guy Silas are in prison in Philippi. This is Acts chapter 16. I'm sure you, many of you know the story, but... Uh, as the story goes, they were, they were walking in Philippi, and they come across this, uh, this, this girl, slave girl that was possessed by a demon. Now, if I was walking down Honolulu in Montrose, and I saw a slave girl possessed by a demon, my first instinct would probably be to cross the street, right? Their first instinct was to pray, and through this moment, they invited God into the scene, and what happened? The, the, the demon was expelled from this little girl. And she was free. But this freedom came at a cost for the people around him, and they got mad because this woman, this, this girl was making them money. And so they start beating up Paul and Silas, and they end up throwing him in jail. It says this in verse 22. It's on the screen. It says, A mob formed quickly against Paul and Silas, and the city officials ordered them stripped and beaten with wooden rods. They were severely beaten, and then they were thrown in prison. The jailer was ordered to make sure they didn't escape, so the jailer put them into the inner dungeon, not just the regular dungeon, like the deep dungeon, and clamped their feet in stocks. Not the dream. Not ideal. Somebody tell me, if that was you, how would you respond in this moment? What would your instinct be? Yeah. Probably complaining and thinking this isn't fair. If it was me, I would probably try to talk my way out of it. I'd be like, hey, jailer, come on over. Or like, do like a prison break, like ABC style, you know what I mean, where you get all... Never mind, it's dated time. But, but Paul and Silas, in this moment, this is stunning, because they went right back to the invitation. In this moment, they started inviting God into, their, into the scene, and I just want to show you what happened, starting in verse 25. It says this, it says, Around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening. Suddenly, there was a massive earthquake, and the prison was shaken to its foundations. All the doors immediately flew open and the chains of every prisoner fell off. What a beautiful metaphor for salvation, huh? But here's the deal. In the scene, God was invited and God inhabited their praise and moved in power, making an even the most impossible moment matter. This is what God can do and what God promises to do when we invite him into our days through prayer and through worship. He brings the better ending. 
We can't force the future, but we can invite him to bring his kingdom into our lives just like it is in heaven. And again, what's so cool about this story for me is how it all comes back to glory. Because that's why we're still here on earth and not in heaven. And it's important to remember this, that that God moving in power in Acts 16, in this moment, it wasn't just to free his, his people, Paul and Silas, right? It wasn't just about Paul and Silas in prison, although that was amazing. It was also to show the prisoners and everyone present what he is really like. His power and his love. It's not just about the freedom of some. It's the revelation for all. And we see this in verse 27. It's still on the screen. It says this. The jailer woke up. Could you imagine this moment for him? The jailer woke up to see the prison doors wide open. He assumed the prisoners had escaped, and so he drew his sword to kill himself. But Paul shouted to him, Stop. Don't kill yourself. We're still here. Verse 29. The jailer called for the lights and ran to the dungeon and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Come on, right? Wow. Making the most of a moment. They replied, verse 31, Believe in the Lord and you will be saved along with everyone in your household. Verse 32. And they shared the word of the Lord with him and with, every, with all who lived in the household. Even at that hour of night, the jailer cared for them and washed their wounds. Then he and everyone in his household were immediately baptized. He brought them into his house and set a meal before them, and he and his entire household rejoiced because they all believed in God. This is what God can do when he is invited to move. This is what our God can do. He can step into any situation and bring freedom. He can occupy any tension and bring peace. He can make the most of every opportunity through the power of his spirit that lives in us. And he will. But it's all so the world might know him and believe and be saved. If you're already saved, then it's not about you anymore. It's about those around you. And this is what he can do and what he will do with us when we invite him into our moments, which leads us, friends, to our final piece for today. And that is, as we begin to live like him and imitate him in everything we do, and as we invite him into our day with invitation, invitation, we must update our expectation for what is actually possible in any given moment. What do I mean by this? If you were to make the most of your year, then you need to start expecting more from your God. Because he wants you to know what he can do. And I'm not talking about like expecting free Ferraris or like a magic dream job, you know, when you open the door. I'm just saying that God wants us to believe for more, to remember that he is, he is God. And he occupies our praise. That he is God and he holds all things together and we are with him. And that reality must go on to shape our expectation for today. I think I I see it kind of like this. God wants us to believe in what could be before it is. And then he wants us to live like it will be if he so chooses to move. We need to update our expectations. Because with him, every moment matters. 
and carries with it eternal impact. So just imagine what God could do. Think about your life. Just imagine what God could do in any given moment as we invite him to move in power. Just imagine what God could do when you're filling up your gas tank or checking out at Ralph's. Just imagine what God could do when you're in line uh, waiting for coffee or when you're dropping your kids off at school. Just imagine what God could do in your moments, in your moments of peace and your moments of pain to make himself known to you and those around you. Just imagine what could happen in your marriage if you invited God into it. Just imagine what could happen in your job and your unemployment if you invited God to move in your story. Just imagine what could happen in new friendships. Just imagine what could happen if God showed up, if we invited him into this moment and he, and he came. And then, as you imagine, I need you to allow that possibility to impact your assumptions and your expectations. I was talking to the team earlier um, in back before the service, and I was trying to use like a really great modern metaphor for this. And I just, I went, I, again, I was just like, I went back to 1996, okay, and that was not helpful. But here's the deal. Imagine, does anyone like basketball? Quick show of hands. Like five people. This is going to tank. Okay, so, so picture you're in, you, picture you're, you play on the 1996 Chicago Bulls, okay? And, and you got Michael Jordan on the other side of the court, and you're down two with like four seconds left. What is your expectation for what's possible? Get it to Michael. We're going to win the game. This is the expectation we must have with our God times 10,000. He's here. He's in the game. We just got to give him the ball. We got to walk with open hands to say, God, we invite you to save this situation right now. We invite you to make the most of this situation right now. You think Paul and Silas, back to Acts 16, you think Paul and Silas were just like throwing out a Hail Mary like when things started to get bad? Like, oh man, I wonder if God could come through on this like as a last resort in these moments? Absolutely not. They knew what God could do. They knew what God could do and, and what God wanted to do in the world. And so even when it was hard, they invited him to come with expectations that he would. And they didn't know what God would do. We don't know what God will do. Things could have gone a lot different in Acts 16. But regardless of the outcome, they still believed for more on the front end because they'd already seen God move before. And so they expected him to move again. And this is it. Just, I want to bring it all back around. i got to finish this up. But God wants to move in your life. God wants to make every moment matter. You are not getting more days, but he wants, to have, he wants to help make the days you have left the most impact for his glory. He's done it before. He'll do it again. And it's all so the world might know him through you. And he wants you to know it, and he wants you to expect it and invite him to do it again and again and again. When you're in traffic on the five, invite God into that moment. When you're waiting in line, invite God into that moment. Every time, I don't, I don't do it all the time, but I want to. This is my challenge to myself, is when I'm waiting in line at Albertsons to check out, I don't look for the line that has the fewest amount of people. I find a line and I, and I pray, God, move in power in this line. I know that sounds like silly, but I just imagine, like, what could God do in a moment? 
as I'm waiting and I pray blessing over these people with so many groceries in front of me. I'm not in a hurry when I know God controls the clock. And so if you want to know how to make the most of your year, how to not waste 26 days a year, how to not drift from season to season under the influence of distraction and deception of the enemy, if you want to know how to make the most of your life, commit your days to the Lord through imitation, invitation, and expectation. Imitate Jesus in everything you do, and I promise you, you will not wake up a year from now wondering where the time went. Then invite him to come. Invite him to come. As you imitate him, invite him to come and move in power, and I promise you won't look back on this year feeling trapped in moments that seem impossible. Promise you. Imitation and invitation. And finally, if you want to make the most of the year, update your expectation to see that with him, anything is possible. And that means every moment truly does matter because every moment is an opportunity to show the world what he is really like. Imitation, invitation, expectation. This is the way of Jesus to make every moment matter. Now, as we close, I want to leave you with one question. And then immediately after, immediately after um, Tyler's going to come up and dismiss you. Um, and we'll have some people up front to pray. If you guys have anything you want to talk about or pray about, if you want some clarity or conviction, some courage, whatever, come on down. We're here for you. We want to pray for you. Um, but before that, I just want to leave you with this question. A year from now, what would that be? It would be like, is it the 21st? January 21, 2025. Insane to say that out loud. January of 2025, as you look back on 2024, as you look back on future photographs you still haven't taken, what do you want to see? As you look back 12 months from now, what do you want to experience over the course of 2024? Because while you can't predict the future, it is up to you to start now. And so for me, as I think about what I want to see on future photographs, I, I want to remember more. I want, to remem I want to remember more. I want to remember more joy in my family. I want to remember more love in my, my marriage. I want to remember more quality time with my folks. I want to remember more times of peace with my kids. I want to remember more miracles here with you. I want to remember more moments with the Lord in prayer and worship where I can look back and say, I saw him move in ways that defy all expectation. I want to remember moments where God made all things work together for good. I want to remember moments that on the onset appeared impossible, but in the end became amazing. I want to remember more as I take my 26 days back. So what about you? Friends, with Jesus, every moment matters. So let's make them count. Amen?
Let's pray. Jesus, we're grateful. We're grateful for today. We're grateful for another day. We're grateful for another minute, another hour, another Sunday afternoon where we can just remember you and enjoy your company. Jesus, help us remember your love today. Help us us put on a better reflection of you starting here and now. God, we don't want to be foolish. We don't want to be thoughtless. We don't want to waste our life anymore, God. We want to make the most of every opportunity. And we know and we recognize and we acknowledge that that starts by walking your way, by imitating you in all things. And so, God, give us the courage today to identify those things that are in contrast to your way. And then, God, put, you, put, your, put your capacity, your potentials, at the forefront of our mind as we evaluate any given moment. God, give us, give us the memory and, the, and the, the encouragement to invite you into even menial moments, invite you into impossible moments, invite you into the good times and the bad times, the blessings, the promises, the provisions. Invite, God, we just invite you into our moments, and we ask that you would move in power, that you'd bring about the best possible ending to our year. So God, we invite you, and God, we just want to live with with wide-open expectations, knowing that, that anything is possible because you are God. And so God, we're, we're so grateful. Jesus, we're so grateful. Holy Spirit, fill us again. Give us, give us dreams for what could be in your name. Give us the ability to, to, to believe for more and to not just move from moment to moment to moment in this frantic pace called life. God, we ask that you'd help slow down. Help us slow down. Help us remember more as we imitate you, as we invite you, and as we expect you to move. So Jesus, we're grateful for today. And it's in your name we pray. And we all said, amen. Amen.